you so much for a quick lesson today. We're looking at, at the end of every lesson, you know, Mark has his Take Action Now, which are his practical points from listening to, the, to his teaching. What are ways that you can take action? So I thought, wouldn't it be great if we were to dive even deeper, because he hardly has time to go into the take action points. So if we were to go a little bit deeper and look at some ways that we as a class, as a body of believers, can take action. So here's an example of recently within this current series, a few weeks ago, one of his take action now points. It is live wisely. He put Matthew seven twenty four there. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does not and, and does them will be like a wise man who does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So that's a, a great verse to help us remember that sometimes we don't practice wisdom, but living wisely is more than just doing what we've been brought up doing, what seems natural to us, what we've, the way we've always done it. Sometimes wisdom, we have to employ knowledge and then take action on it, which means make changes. And so here is a typical points for home. So as we continue to dive down into this, I want to look at Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 at why it's so important to take advantage of take action now. Verse 15 of, first of Ephesians 5, he says, Look carefully then as you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Does anyone disagree with that? We'd probably all agree that the days is pretty evil around these days. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, every week, Mark teaches whatever his topic is, and he always teaches it based on what? God's Word. Because these are the words of life. The one who created the world, and he spent a lot of time last week talking about how he formed and then filled which is an expectation that since he formed you, the expectation is he will also fill you for his good purposes, not for your own. And so there's a change and an application that has to take place. We have to understand, we have to find out what it is, understand it, and then the hardest step is to take action on it, to understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, if you look at time, and any of you who are older, Realize that time passes faster as you get older. Am I right? When you're younger, time is slower for you, so enjoy it. But as you get older, you look back and you think, man, where does the time go? It's like the old soap opera. As sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. You look at it, it's just going, you can't stop it unless you turn it upside down, but that's cheating. So we can't do that. We can't turn life upside down. It continues to flow and you can't stop it. And, we, and you see the end coming and you think, oh my goodness, there's not much time left. I've got to do something. I've got to take action. Or you can decide just to lay down and die. It's like, I ah, forget it. It's too late now. So before it's too late, let's take a look. This is why Mark loves to teach. And you have to agree that he's here almost every single week. He is teaching things that are deeper and wider than, than what most people talk about. It's because God has blessed him in, in many ways of being able to remember, being able to put things together and cross-reference things like never before. And as a result, his teachings can take you a little bit deeper. But with that comes what? 
I heard it, more responsibility. So if you come every week and you leave here going, wow, that, that was interesting. That was good. I didn't agree with everything. That, oh man, that, that blew me away. I can't believe, I never saw that. That's God telling you, now you're responsible for that. So some of you might want, want to stop coming to class because of all the responsibility. <laughs> if you're so stressed out and Mark says, Brent, why aren't people coming back? I said, I told them about the responsibility. Oh, the book of, of James he says in 4.14, this is Jesus' half-brother. He says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist or a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. And as the older we get, we, we come to realize that more and more. So if you're young, go ahead and take a cue that life is going to start passing faster, seemingly. As a result, you need to go ahead and set some things out in order to be prepared. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. Question, why is it so hard to take action now? If I ask for a show of hands, which I won't, so don't raise your hand. But how many of you have actually taken one of Mark's take action now points related to the lesson and went and did something significant? Okay, it's probably few and far between because although we agree, when we leave here, what are we thinking? lunch. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. Were we going to go to lunch? I mean, there's a decision and action that's taking place may not be everything that we want it to be. Because after lunch, then what are you thinking? Nap. (laughs) You, you live at my house. So after, after nap, you get up and what are you thinking again? What's for dinner? (laughs) Okay. So we're all on the same page. That's good. So here, why is it so hard? The reason is number one is that God's ways are not our ways. He said so in Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So true. We're not on his page. We're slowly being conformed into his image. But it's a slow process that you can expedite. You can help that along. But frankly, naturally, our our natural inclination is not to be on God's plan. So to to take action is a struggle to discover what it is and then to do it. And what happens when we struggle? We want to find a way out of the struggle. We don't want to have to go through it unless we're getting paid. (laughs) So if it's easier, it's like, well, maybe God can just take care of it, whatever it is. I'm sure he'll be fine without me doing this today because I have a nap planned after lunch. And then, of course, I have dinner after that. And then I have to get ready for bed because the kids have school tomorrow or I've got work tomorrow or whatever. So we make all these excuses. The struggle is real. I talked about that the last time that I taught. We should expect to struggle as we are Christian and as we want to understand what the will of God is. He did not, in his word, list out a step-by-step. Now, when you're this age, you need to have accomplished this and you need to do that. And here's how to do it. Step one, da-da-da. Step two, da-da-da. It's not like that at all. It's a struggle to find out what it is, not only the general will of God, what everyone should do, but also the specific will that God has planned for you, the nuance that he has specific to your life. Now, this is the thing that Mark Lanier wants you to grasp and get and come back three years later and say, oh my goodness, I finally realized, and based on this, this is what's happened. Wow, that's the best compliment you can give to a teacher. Number three, another problem that it's so difficult is because time is short. We've already talked about that, and we're busy. So there is one thing that I I love to tell everyone that I can, especially younger families, 
you tend to get involved in as much as you can because you never know what your kids are going to latch onto. So you try to expose them to everything and you're doing tournaments all Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and you're, you're in three different leagues and then you're on the, the AP classes at school and uh, at work you're trying to uh, get to yourself a place where you can be so when you're older you don't have to work as hard and you're trying to work all that out. So what you lose is margin in your life. You know, the little area on the sides that gives you room that if you need to make another note or you need to do something, you have a little bit of margin. Somebody passes away and all of a sudden they need food for the reception. And you're like, oh my goodness, I don't have time to do anything with that. I've got 50 things already. I'm, I'm too booked. That's because there's no margin in your life. And I think lack of margin is one of Satan's biggest tools in our lives. If, if we're good Christian people and we think well and we learn well, but we don't have time to do what we hear and learn, Satan has won. He has exactly what he needs, and he is really good at it. The fourth thing is that we forget fast. Anyone agree? If you're not agreeing with me, it's because you've forgotten how quickly <laughs> you forget. Am I right? We, we remember, tend to remember things that are important to us. My daughters do that if uh, it has something to do with school or something with uh, their pet projects, they'll take care of it. But on the other hand, if it's something that I've asked them to do, it may just be important, just lower on the important list. And I'll do that tomorrow. I thought you were going to do that yesterday. Yeah, but I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> so we do forget fast. They, then, then they forget. And we get distracted. Uh, in, in Hebrew, this word for Satan is ha-satan. That's the definite pronoun the. Is that a pronoun? The definite article. Thank you. Wrong word. It's the definite article, the accuser or stumbling block. Isn't that well-defined of who Satan is? He, he's not the, the pitchfork with the tail with the little point on the end and the horns and red saying, caution, caution, be careful, don't pay attention to me. That's not who he parades around as. In fact, just the opposite. An angel of light says scripture. And he will pull you into signing up for all these things that you're so busy. And they're good things, but they may not be the things that God wants you to do because you're so busy. But, but Brent, you don't understand, if I'm in all these clubs and groups, I can help these people so much. And yet, you never can because you're so busy the next group. Oh, I'd love to stay. I, gotta, I got five minutes to get to the next spot. So we need to scale down and keep from being distracted that's one of the reasons that we don't take action now. So my conclusion is, be more like Mark Lanier. <laughs> Easy for me to say. And really, this lesson is not be Mark Lanier. He's his own guy. You're your own person. God made us all different. Uh, I can't compare to you and you to me because that would be unfair. But I think Mark is able to give us some good lessons of life. Because one of the things that Mark does is that he has committed to being in church every Sunday. Even if he's not here, he's somewhere because that's an important thing that he already made that commitment. He wants to be around the people of God. He wants to hear and to be uh, edified and encouraged in God's word just as much as he loves to teach. He's made that decision and that would be good for us. When you're on vacation, do you take a vacation from God? Of course not. I worship in the beautiful scenery and the ocean and the mountains that I see. But you know what? On Sunday, I'm going to try to go to church because I want to see how another group of people in another place worship God. I want to worship with them and show them that wherever we are, we're still one body and we all come together and worship him. Don't take a vacation from God. So 
the, the last part of the, the conclusion, and we have a long conclusion to go through next, is learn how to take action now. So let's just run through these. I'm basing it on Deuteronomy 6, which is the Shema. Does anyone know what Shema means? It's Hebrew. Well, I said, I can't hear you. Oh, here, you were saying it. Yeah, it means here. Shema is Hebrew for here, so you're going to walk away today knowing a little bit more Hebrew than you did. Some of you already knew because Mark talks about this as well. So I just want to read through Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 4. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and these commands shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit at your house when you walk along the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals or frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. From this, we can get a good idea of what God's plan is for us to take action now. The first thing he says is Shema. Here, what is it do you think you should hear? God's word is the best answer. You could hear your teacher. You could hear your pastor. You could hear all your best friends who have all this great advice. And I'm not saying not to listen to them. First and foremost, you should hear God's word. In other words, God should be on your mind. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That's an interesting word that he uses there, and these commands shall be on your heart. For the Hebrew mind, the heart was not an organ of feeling. Instead, they understood it as the organ of thinking and logic. So basically, he's saying not do what you feel is right. He's not saying that at all. In fact, he's saying that my commands should be on your mind. You should be constantly thinking about these. That's why he says in 1 Thessalonians 5:17, pray without ceasing. It's not the idea that we walk around with our heads bowed and trying to, oh, I hadn't prayed very long today. I need to pray some more because I'm supposed to not even stop. It's the idea that God is on your mind. And when you pray, I mean, you're just thinking to God. Sometimes you voice it, but thinking to God. So on your mind is how you communicate to God. And how is it that God communicates back to you? Obviously his word, you read it. But when you read it, what's, what organ is making the process? It's your mind. It's your mind. And then when you say, you know what? I think God wants me to, that's your mind putting in the process of understanding God's word, drawing on experiences you've had in the past, things that have, have worked, things that have failed. And you have put together that, you know, this would be a good thing. Now, Someone else comes to you and says, but God's word says, don't do that. You should do this. Then let's, let's let God's word trump our feelings and our, our thoughts. But ultimately, that's how God will communicate to us. It's on our mind. When people say, you know what? I just felt led to, it's because, more than likely, other than God appearing to them and sitting down with them and talking to them, which I would really be jealous if they told me that happened. Instead, God is, is affecting your mind. So the more that you have on your mind, the better that God can guide and direct you. Do you understand? That's the secret of Mark Lanier. He insatiently studies God's word. He remembers God's word, not all of it all the time. 
He does a really good job. And one of the reasons is because he studies all the time. If you had to teach every week, you would probably study all the time. All of you should get teaching positions in the church because your spiritual life will grow by leaps and bounds. When you know a group of people, 5, 20, 30, 50, are counting on you to deliver the goods every week, you're going to grow. And I was talking to a teacher just the other day and he said, I spend so much time trying to look at these Greek words. I said, the struggle is real, isn't it? He said, yes. And I said, well, you're better. And if you struggle now and you get that understanding in about five years from now, you won't have to struggle as long with that, right? So it's just that you have to dig in. Young people, dig in now to be prepared, not to be prepared to be a, a great person at work or to make an A average at school, even though those things are great and good luck with that. The best thing you can do is to excel in your study of God's word. So you have to do all those other things, and I get that. You also have to make time for God's word because God's word should be on your heart. And here he says, uh, with all of your heart, love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and all of your might. Why would he indicate strength or, or work? Because it's hard. Do you understand the struggle is real? You need all of your might to love God because it is work to love God. It is not just laying back going, God, just take care of me. Your mercy and grace, I just feel so good. I want to raise my hand and, and sing a song. And God says, thank you, but I need you to work a little harder than that. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to be very sensitive to everyone at work. And then your boss calls you in, you're in that meeting, and then the day's gone. So you have to work in order to love God with all your heart and soul and your bite. Here's how you do it. You read God's word. When I was in the first grade, I was presented this Bible. We do the similar thing at Champion Forest. This is my... First grade Bible presented to Brent Johnson, Champion uh, Shallow Terrace Baptist Church, February 1976. Now you all know how old I am. And this book is a little worn, and it is King James Version. Why would you give a first grader the King James Version? Well, back in 76, we didn't have as many options, so this is what I ended up with. And I looked through, and in, in my 1976 Bible, I found a little art or a little craft project that I did. I don't remember doing it, but this looks like my handwriting. <laughs> it says, Psalm 96, 8, bring an offering and come into his courts with praise. This made an impression upon me, not only the Bible, but my craft. And so as I, in my younger years, I, I took it seriously. Now, I didn't read my Bible every day. I wasn't that good of a kid. I was a pretty good kid, but not that good. But this made an impression on me. So praise God that Champion Forest is doing that. If you don't have a Bible, Mark and I, Mark, will get you a Bible without any problem. So send me an email and say, you know what? Frankly, I, I still have a King James Version Bible that I got in the first grade. Could you upgrade me? Yes, we will absolutely will because this is the most important thing that you can have in your life, KJV or otherwise. When I was in college, went to Baylor, got my undergraduate there in communications, and my sophomore year, the church that I was going to said, we're going to read through the Bible in a year. And they had these one-year Bibles available that we could purchase on a college salary. There was no Mark Lanier handing out books that week. <clears throat> but I bought me a new international version from the church. They had all these available. And for the next 10 years, I read through the Bible, sometimes just the Psalm and Proverbs, sometimes the whole Bible. And I used a different color pen 
of the year. So as I go through, I can look at what my markings were based on the color and underlines and circles and notes, what year that I, that I read that. For about 10 years, this was the first time that someone had ever said, have you ever thought about reading through the whole Bible? And I'm like, oh, I go to church, they tell me what it says. I'm good. <laughs> if they want me to stand up and read a scripture, I can do that. Not well, but I, but I can do that. And it dawned on me, wow, I'm, I'm a sophomore in college and I've never read the entire Bible. After getting saved as a sophomore, thought I was saved as a second grader, trying to live the Christian life. Regardless, no one ever encouraged me to do that. If you've never been encouraged, let me be that to you today. Read through the whole Bible in a year. You can buy one of these one-year Bibles. They have them in all kinds of translations and it makes it real easy because they're dated. Or there are reading plans on your electronic Bible. In fact, I think I have a picture there. How many of your Bibles are there? And there's plenty of free plans to read through the Bible. And so the the question is here, how do you learn from Scripture and reading the Bible? How how do you learn from Scripture? The first thing is reading, right? That's the way you learn. How else do you learn from Scripture? What? Yes, you go to church. That's good. How'd y'all know? Okay, what's the third thing? Talk about it. I believe that talking about the things of God is the highest form of worship that you as an earthly being can manifest and be a part of. Anyone can sing a song that somebody else wrote and the the music is great and we love it and those are great ways to worship. But as we worship there, it should lead to other and, and higher forms of worship. So you learning something and then getting together with someone and saying, hey, I picked this up today or I I was taught this. What do you think about this? Or I really feel strongly about this or I totally disagree with this. Let's have a discussion. That is worshiping God. How many of us have that opportunity to be in a group? Some of us do, some of us don't, but that's not too late. Time is, is going away. Time is slipping away. Find some people that, you know what? They were talking at church the other day. This is really important. We need to talk about the things of God And I want to get together with you guys once a month and let's just find out something and we'll dive into it. The last thing is then you just got to do it. These are ways that you learn from God's word. You read it. After you read it, you go to church, hear other people talk about it. Maybe you study in some of your own commentaries, your online Bible studies. You talk about it, you talk about it, you talk about it. And then you do what it says. Whenever you read God's word, it should lead to a verb. It rhymes, so it's great. If you're not reading, I need you to start. We need you to start reading the Bible every day. You need to start right where you are, right here, right now. So don't let another day, don't wait for January. And you need to push through. Even when it gets tough, keep on reading. So that's the first thing is you need to hear what God says. Otherwise, it's hard for him to direct your paths. That's the way he does it by having so much biblical knowledge in your head and understanding what's happening in his word, God uses that to guide and direct you. The psalmist says, God's word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. He means that God's word has to be in your heart, which really is your head. So are any of you memorizing scripture? If you're young, it's easier. If you're old, it's more struggle. It's more work. So you need to love the Lord your God with all your might. And put yourself in an accountability situation where you are memorizing scripture. The second thing he says, you need to teach, talk about, God's word diligently to your children. 
It doesn't stop at your children. It can be your accountability group. It can be others. But especially if you have children, you are, you are the chief responsible teacher of them of spiritual things, not even the church. You need to dive down deep. So it's a little bit of work to find out what they're learning in their Bible study classes and then pull together your own sub-Bible study that goes along with that. Are you talking about what God is teaching at church? Or are you talking about what you're reading through in your one-year Bible with your whole family at night, even though everyone's tired and they don't have time, but then you made them quit a bunch of things and now you have more margin and you're able to do it? Am I just pounding on that? Number three, let's move on. You need to model it. So it's more than just teaching it, but modeling it. Show someone how you do it. I can't think of a better model than Mark Lanier. He is, he is a great guy. Who, he is who he is. He's not one way now and one way later. Most of you know that. If you send him an email, he will reply to you. He, he loves to dialogue about the things of God especially. He'll dialogue about other things too. But he's modeling it. He's showing us how to do it. Hopefully you're modeling it to some degree. And as each year passes, you will get better and better model. Don't you all want to be a model, like a supermodel? Yes. You could tell everyone, what do you do for a living? I'm a supermodel. <laughs> really? Yes, with God's word. In fact, have I mentioned to you that I learned just last week, and then you dive into another 30 minutes, they'll never ask you about being a model again. <laughs> but you've at least done what you said. You know what? This is what's going to make a difference in my life. Even if they don't say a word, you have going to have to process through it and think harder about it as you talk about it. It is a surefire way and it is a biblical mandate from the Shema in Deuteronomy 6 to talk about it, teach it diligently, and model it. So it says here, in, as the verse continues, talk of them when you sit at your house, when you walk, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. That pretty much covers the whole day, doesn't it? Do you ever you used to say prayers at night before you went to bed? That's the main time most people will do that, especially with young kids. Older kids are sometimes maybe in the morning you get together over breakfast and maybe you, you pray or you do something at that time. If you don't, start. We don't have time. Good. Remember, step earlier, margin. You'll be able to work it in. As you sit at your house, all of a sudden the TV's on, pause. So you don't even have to not watch the show. It can wait save till later. Pause. And you could talk about what was just said on the show, which might relate to a biblical point that Mark Lanier or whoever, you yourself reading or the pastor Fleming or whoever had talked about. And you're like, you know what? This relates. What's going on in this situation? And you talk about it. You are worshiping God. As you lie down and as you uh, walk along the way, as you walk along the way. So when you're out walking, you may not be with your kids, but you're around some people. I used to, I've told y'all before that when I went to jury duty, if I ever get kicked off and not put on a jury, which means I have the whole rest of the day, you get off, you know, the whole rest of the day, your, your work, wherever they're supposed to let you off for the day. So I walk around downtown Houston and I just engage people that I'm walking by. A lot of fun stories, but it's just a good opportunity. You know, I, I've never had anyone stop and say, you know what, I need the Lord, let's pray together. Never had that, but I had a great, great conversations with a lot of people from different faiths and different ideas. Uh, a lot of doors, taxi doors slammed in my face and I didn't realize you were leaving. <laughs> you are. Okay, so here's another big one. Remember. That's a hard part. And Satan is keeping us from remembering. He, he says in the Shema, it says, Bind them, these commands, as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Write them on your doorposts and on, of your house and on your gates. So 
I'm not a proponent of tattoos at all, but if you're going to get one, put something that matters. You know, don't put your, your current girlfriend's name on there because that's going to change. <laughs> it's going to be bad later on. And so um, if you're going to get a tattoo, again, this isn't about tattoos, but if you do, put, put something that'll be a conversation starter and, you know, a cross or some scripture or something. If um, you need to find other ways that will remind you about the things of God. Uh, here's an example of a tattoo. I, I know I mentioned this story a few, maybe a year ago when I talked about this, but I saw a girl in Tomball, we were leaving a, a food truck festival, see a food, I was leaving a food festival. And as we were walking along, I looked on the back of her neck and because I'm familiar with Greek, I was able to read pistis. Do you know what pistis means? Someone said trust, what else does it mean? Faith, what else does it mean? Believe. It's a Greek word, it means all three, and it's a great way to share the gospel. Trust, faith, and believe, it's all wrapped up together there. So I said, excuse me, do you know that you have pistis on your neck? <laughs> it doesn't come out good in English. <laughs> and she said, what's that? <laughs> and, and her husband, and you can see her child right there, so they were all three there together. And they kind of looked at me for a second, and I said, yes, I'm noticing your tattoo, and it says Pistis, did you know, you know what Pistis, she said, yes, I, well, I asked him to put faith on my neck in Greek. Did he spell it right? <laughs> I said, yes, actually he did. The sigma at the end is correct. There's another sigma. It looks like it's supposed to. Everything is really good. And uh, so we had a great conversation about faith, trust, and belief just because she just put faith on her neck. What a great tattoo. Again, I'm not encouraging you to get tattoos. I'm, I am not wanting, and my kids do not want to have tattoos. So here, here it is, binding them on your hand or, or, or on your neck, or maybe making notes to yourself and putting them on your, your, your mirror, your rearview mirror, maybe your bathroom mirror, things that you learn that you need to do because you will forget. And so I'm encouraging you today to remember, whether Mark's teaching or God's speaking to you, because you started reading the Bible and you spent four months not understanding one thing and then the fifth month something started taking place and you started actually putting things together and remembering and recalling things that someone else has said. That's how it works. So pretty much three or four months, you're going to get nothing. You know, it's as if God is saying, are you serious? Well, let's see. Most people stop reading the Bible within four months when they do a start, especially if you start reading in Genesis. And we'll talk about that in a sec. So they should be as frontlets to your eyes. You know, the, the Jews, when they came back from Babylon, they made these little, they wrote commands on, of God and they put them in um, uh, leather packets and they would let them hang down from their uh, eyes. They were frontlets before their eyes. They were taking this literally. It wasn't really meant to be literal, but it's okay if you do, it doesn't hurt anything. And they would just kind of wander around, uh, bounce around, you know, God's commands inside these little things, bouncing around. So God's commands are totally remembered. I mean, they're, they're right there unless you're just trying to impress everybody else, like, look how special I am, then it's totally the opposite thing and it does not work. But the idea, what God is saying is find ways to keep focus on God because it will not occur naturally. You will not do it naturally. You mean well, you want to, but you will not. So you have to take an extra step and struggle in order to remember the, 
just the simple things, much less the complicated thing that God said, I've got this for you. Before the foundations of the world, I've set aside this for you. This is what you're made for. This is who I want you to be. This is how I want you to act. This is how I want you to get so many enemies at at work. This is the plan. You're like, wait, enemies? I don't want that plan. No, no, no. This is what I made you for. I need you to be who I want you to be. But you forget. Write them on doorposts to your house and your gates. When I grew up, I think I've mentioned this to y'all before, but in my parents' house was this little plaque. This would not be something you would necessarily decorate your house with today. But in the 80s, this kind of thing was, was really cool. And it says, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24, 15. If you don't already, and if you have room for more, please put God's word in your house. If, you have a, if you're looking for something a little more contemporary, this might be something that's a little more status quo for the day, something like this. Or if you go to Hobby Lobby, I'm not getting any kickbacks, but if you go to Hobby Lobby, you can get all kinds of stuff. And then be creative and just get blank ones and make your own because that struggle will conform and teach you. But this verse about today, who I've chosen today whom I will serve as a, as a young kid growing up with my one year first grade Bible, that would made an impression on me. And I would read that and I would think, yes, I've already chosen today whom I will serve as well. And at a young age, it made a mental click in my mind that has, to some degree, carried me through the years. Now, you can't go back in time, but if you have influence over young kids, put God's word all around them. You know, don't go crazy so you don't freak them out, but find ways to, to bring God's word. And, and maybe they're, they're, they're middle of the way before, they're halfway before they're, they're leaving your house. Maybe they're already in college. There are still things that you can do to obey this command, to write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. There are still ways that you can put in your office, at your school, in your home, on your porch, in your yard, things that will remind you of the things of God. So we only have six items, so we have two more left. Here we go. Uh, The next thing is to give or to invest. Now, as you get older, you have more money to give and invest. But when you're younger, maybe your investment would be something other than money. Maybe it's you have more time. Well, no, we already talked about that. You have no time. You need to get some margin to allow you to have a little bit of time. But this is so interesting. I'm going to read this real fast if I can. Later on in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 20, he says, he's talking about the promised land that he has already promised to them. And he says these great things. When When your son asks you, In time to come, I'm sorry, when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of these testimonies and statutes, rules that the Lord your God has commanded you? You shall say, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and he brought us out from there that he might bring us and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes. He commanded us to fear the Lord, our God, for our good always for he that uh, sorry that he might preserve us alive as we are this day you know in israel it became an, in israel a jewish islam i'm sorry a jewish state in 1948 when harry s truman also agreed that that would be the nation of israel would come back as a nation a, a state before that it was not and so at that point it was and it was a swampland i just came back from israel in march and it is lush and growing. They have bananas and fruit, other fruit. They have trees. The, the grass is green. It's a swampland. 
that God promised to them when they took it back over in 1948, it was a swampland. And because God's people are back in the nation, back in the region, that land has grown and developed and it's beautiful. Is that God not making good on his promise? I mean, it's so huge. People who, who, who allowed them, like, yeah, go ahead, in 1948, May of 1948, you can have your, this land if you want it. And they're kicking themselves now. Why did we do that? Well, that's between God and them. So in the New Testament, there are other things that God gave us. Uh, for them, he said, I'm going to give you cities that have already been uh, planned because they were kicking out the Canaanites. I'm going to give to you wells that have already been dug, trees that have already been planted, vineyards and gardens that have already been planted. You will not have to work. It's an investment that God already made in the life of the Israelites. I'm giving you this land that I promised you, and I've already got cities and, and, and food and everything that you need. You don't even have to work there. I've invested in you so that you can thrive and that's what God has done for us. He made an investment with his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. The best investment that he's ever made in our lives, allowing us the opportunity to be able to relate and commune with the God that created us. That should be enough, but he has so much more for us that he's made an investment. You now need to make an investment. I am probably one of the most stingy people around. If we go to lunch, ask my father-in-law, if there's a choice, of who's going to pay, I'm going to let you have first option not to pay before I have to pay. So feel free to take me to lunch. God is trying to teach me how to make investments because it's not natural for me. In other words, my ways are not God's ways, right? It has, it's work for me to get out of that mindset and to be, well, investing and giving. It's difficult for me. Last thing is pray. Um, we're not going to go through this. This is the Lord's Prayer. If we had any more time, uh, I would talk about it a little more, but I'm sure you've been through it several times and enough, and we're out of our time, which is fine. The thing that I want to leave you with today is this idea of reading God's Word. That's what today's lesson has been on. It has the whole idea of the Shema. It relates around God's commands, His precepts, His statutes, His Word. So when you came in today, uh, each family at the very least should have gotten a handout. Take a look at it real quick. You have a handout stapled together, not the survey. If, you, if you've not filled out a survey, we hope that you got one and filled it out. Just take it to the back when you leave, a survey. That's the half sheet. The full sheet is a stapled sheet of about uh, four or five pages. And in it, on the first page, it's a Bible reading plan that is not as boring as starting in Genesis and just plowing through. Really, the Bible is not even meant to be read from chapter after chapter after chapter, I always laugh about the story when I was at another church, we were going to read through the New Testament together. And after about the first month, a girl came to me and she said, I read Matthew and Jesus was born. He lived his life. Then he died and resurrected, was ascended. And then all of a sudden he became a baby again. And I'm like, okay, well, that's the same story, just from a different perspective. So the Bible's not meant to be read chapter after chapter, book after book. So here's a good reading plan that'll take you through history It'll get to some of the wisdom literature. In fact, as you read and you turn the other side and you see uh, the New Testament, you got the Old and the New Testament, that you will have read through the whole Bible. If you choose to do one chapter a, a, a day, that will take you about three years to get through, but that's fine. Read through the Bible in three years. Can you do that? I've got a friend who reads through the Bible at least two or three times a year because he realizes how important it is. He's on it. He has his own checklist. I have provided for you in the other pages a checklist of each chapter of every book of the Bible. 
I don't have it in the order that I suggest, but you could read it in whatever order and check it off in whatever order. If you've already read through the Bible, please read through the Bible again. If you have not, I beg you to start today, have lunch, skip the nap, read the Bible. If you fall asleep, wake up and finish reading your however long you're going to go. Pick up your app on your phone, whatever it is that gives you a great Bible reading plan. There's a lot out there. You can do that as well. But I did not want you to leave today without a proper tool to do the basic bottom line of the way that God allows us to take action now. Our Heavenly Father, as we leave this place, we're going to get distracted. And so we ask you to deliver us from the evil one. You would help to lead us not into temptation, but instead to think about you and everything that we do, that we would find ways to apply your word to the billboard we pass on the street, the menu item we see at the restaurant, the report card that comes in from the kid, the work project that our boss just told us about that's due tomorrow that we would find you in absolutely everything, that we would literally pray without ceasing because you are on our heart and our mind and that we will worship you with all of our might. In Jesus' name, amen.